a couple weeks ago, I am up here at the end of service, and I, everyone's gone. So my car's back there. We just cleaned up, and and uh, parking lot's empty. And I'm going back to my car. And I get in my car, and it's you know toward the back there. And I look back over here to make sure we didn't forget anything. And I see like a little piece of paper blowing around, like this little light piece of paper. And I didn't know if it was a, a drawing or a napkin. It's one of those things like I should probably go get that, but like I don't really feel like going to get that. It's like way over there, and like try to drive over to it. I'm like I can't drive over to pick up the paper. I'm like it'll blow away. It'll probably be fine. It'll probably disintegrate. I'm like ah, it's probably a picture that Jude uh, Sage drew for me. She makes a picture of me like every week, and it's a uh, really amazing work. I don't want to miss that, so I might have blown out of my Bible or something. So I so I come over to pick up this piece of paper, and it's just kind of like wisping around over here. And there's a note on. It. As I'm approaching, it, there's a note on. It. I'm like okay, well maybe somebody needed needs this note. And it just says on this piece of paper, I'm an invisible person, like kind of blowing around. And I'm like looking at it, and on the other side it says, you can't see me. And I'm like, what the, and there's nobody here. And there's just a little visible, little note from an invisible man or, or woman around here. I'm an invisible person, you can't see me. I'm like, hello, hello, like, are you here now? <laughs> Do you need help? And it was this funny, like, weird moment. I'm telling you, this. I, my best guess is it's Rowan's. I don't know. Rowan's not here today. I don't know if, it, if this belongs to anybody. Whoever the invisible person is, it's kind of been haunting me for a few weeks. So if you're the invisible person, let me know. But I'm an invisible person just kind of blowing around in an empty parking lot like me alone. <laughs> what? Where is this person? But it's out of context. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who inspired it. I don't know who wrote it. I don't know if there's an invisible person or not an invisible person. It's just this sort of little note that I found in the middle, in the middle of somebody else's story. And we're talking about the Bible this morning. We're going through the frameworks of our faith. So we covered uh, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to look at the Bible, kind of what makes the Bible the Bible. We're not going to cover everything. The Bible is a big book. And this may serve as review for many of you. If you've been around the church, maybe you'll learn something new. But what is it about the Bible? Because the Bible, if you're able to pick it up and like flip through it, sometimes you, you drop in in the middle of a story. And it's like, oh, I'm an invisible person. You can't see me. Like, what? What do you mean? Where does that come from? What's this verse talking about? Where's the Bible come from? What are all these books in it? So we're going to hopefully illuminate a little bit, shed some light on that uh, this morning, and uh, kind of go through some teaching of what the Bible is. What does the Bible say about itself? Why do, we, why do we read the Bible? Why should we read the Bible? What's important about the Bible? And the Bible, I don't know if you've ever been like this for me. I, maybe you do it now, or as a kid, you're like, oh, there's the Bible. I should probably read something. You just flip it open looking for something, right? Bible roulette. Like, I'll see if God has anything to say today. I'll just, I'll find it, and I'll close my eyes, and I'll point to some verse, right? And that's like the little napkin note. Like, you don't know. You know what's crazy? A lot of times it works. You'll be like encouraged, like, oh, wow, thank you, Lord. But sometimes it's just weird. The Bible can be weird. Look, listen to some of these verses. If you were to stumble across them, Amos 4, 4 just says this. Go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Like, that's the message from Amos 4.4. 4. Like, what? I should go someplace and sin? That doesn't sound like the Bible. Ecclesiastes 10.19 says this. A feast is made for laughter. Yes. Wine makes life merry. Sure. And money is the answer to everything. Like, oh, I knew it. It says it in the Bible. We've all suspected that. Ecclesiastes 10.19. Ezekiel 4.15 says this. Then he said to me, See, I will give you cow's dung in place of human dung so that you may prepare your bread over it. Dude, that sounds like a bad relationship. Really? I'll give you cow dung over human dung? What are we talking about? 2 Samuel 10, 4 says, So Hanan sees David's servants shaved off half of each one's beard. He cut the lower part of their robes off so that their 
buttocks were exposed and then sent them away. Right? This is like sounds sound like a fraternity I once knew. Like this is this is in the Bible. It's just out of context. It's just blowing around by itself. And if you were to stumble upon some of these things looking for the God to speak to you, it, it could get a little weird. And the Bible, as we read it, and as we study it, hopefully on, on, on Sundays to some extent, or in your own time, or as you listen or read, we don't understand the Bible. It can't mean something now that it didn't mean then. A lot of times we go out like, oh, what does it have for me? What does it mean to me? Oh, this is what it means to me. Well, that's fine. It can encourage you. The Spirit can do that. But it has to be rooted in what it meant the first time around. It can't mean something now that it didn't mean then. And the right application, as we read, even those wacky verses, the right application can only be determined once the correct interpretation has been discovered. So you have to see what they're talking about. Then I can apply it, right? I can apply using cow dung once I understand the context of that. And how do we get this? I like the, I like the things up, up ahead. Did anyone see the Nate Bergazzi special? No, no one. You gotta watch it. It's fantastic. He's outside in Vegas. He's doing, he's doing stand up, and all these helicopters are just buzzing around. It's just, it's just hilarious. So the Bible, like, how do we understand that, right? Other than just, oh, I got to go to seminary. Well, well, here's what the Bible talks about in, in us understanding the Bible. James teaches this. In, in the midst of trials, his wisdom is available from God to those who ask in, co in confident faith. So wisdom is available to us. Wisdom, wisdom is available to us right now in the moment in, in the middle of a, of a challenge or a struggle or parenting or, or work. Wisdom is available. available to us in understanding the text. Ask for wisdom. James says, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom when you go after it. Paul affirms that Christians have the Holy Spirit, this is Corinthians 2.10, to understand things freely given to us from God. So the Holy Spirit, which we talked about a week or so ago, the indwelling Spirit of God helps us to understand. So when we approach the, the text, like, Lord, help me see what you want me to see here. Paul prays that Christians would receive, this is Ephesians 1, a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So Lord, give us that revelation. Give, if this is your word, if you want to speak to us, Lord, please give me revelation. Speak to me through the spirit. The letter of Ephesians teaches that God has made known to Christians, this is important for us, Ephesians 1, 8, God has made known the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will. Sometimes we can kind of step back and go, oh, it's, it's all a big, one big mystery. God's just a mystery. We can't understand it. He's mysterious. He says, no, I've made the mystery known to you. And God's depth is unfathomable. We will not understand all that. But he's not trying to keep his will and heart for you and love for you a secret. That's not a mystery, Paul writes. It's not a mystery. This book is it's not given to us to be this mystery. It's not a code we have to crack. Right? There's been those movies and fictional books, the Da Vinci Code and others. Oh, there's something in here that we don't see. The writer said, no, no, read it, and God will, God will bring you life through that. God wants us to understand his word, and we should want to try to understand it ourselves. And so it's important, because the Bible is intimidating sometimes. I think probably most of us have some around the house, or you have the Bible app, or, or you've been around the Bible, but it can be intimidating. You think I should probably read it, but I don't know how. It's just too big. It's too confusing. But if it's important, or if it has value, we'll do it. We'll read it. And that's just not a knock on you if you don't read your Bible, but that's just how things were. Right? Every year, the Bible sells 100 million copies, hundreds of millions of copies. This is the, this is the best-selling book of all time. Best-selling book of all time. Though maybe not the most read book of all time, 
but best-selling. Right? Having a Bible is different than reading a Bible. Having it on your phone, your iPad, or, or by your bed is different than reading it. But if it's important, you'll read or listen to it. I like to read. Reading, reading comes fairly easy to me. Some of, you, some of you are like, oh, I love to read, or, or like, oh, I don't read ever. Well, you can listen. But if there's something important to you, you'll get into it. Right? I, I, I love to read sports books as a kid. I read you know, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. I just love these books. As I got a little older, I read, read about Johnny Cash and Jim Morrison. I love the music thing. I read these, these biographies. I read about General Grant. I'm reading Alexander Hamilton now, which is this huge, giant book. It's bigger than the Bible. It's like 10 Bibles. This book's huge. But I'm interested in it, so I'll get into it. The Bible talks about itself in 2 Timothy 3.16. It affirms itself. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful. Bible is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Romans 15, 4 says this, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So the stories of the Bible, the hard stories, the difficult stories, the stories of trials and captivity and tribulation, tribulation, they offer us encouragement because there's an endurance that we might have hope. The Bible, Jesus talks about it. John 5, 13. And he was around a lot of guys who understood, the, understood read the Bible a lot, memorized the Bible. Right? The, the religious leaders of the day, and they had this thing front and back. They were all about the text. Which on one hand is good, but Jesus said, well, you're missing something. He says this in five, John 5, 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them that in them you have eternal life. You think that in them you have eternal life. Jesus said, no, no, no. No. These scriptures testify about me. They point to me. And so the text isn't just to get us smarter or to drop bits of wisdom on people. It's to point us to Jesus. It was then, it is today. It points us to Jesus. So how does it all work? How does this thing get put together? Uh, it's written over upwards of almost 1,500 years from start to finish. That's how long it took to create the Bible. So all these different authors, there's languages. But it's really a library. You say, oh, that's a good book. That's a library of books. It's all these different books. And, and, and the original manuscripts are, are, are all gone, by the way. So I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to read something close to the original. The original manuscripts are, are, are gone. But, man, there are copies and copies and copies, and they continue to surface proving the validity of these writings. The language of the Bible, uh, really three languages, maybe maybe four if we get into a couple smaller languages, but primarily the Old Testament's Hebrew and Aramaic. It wasn't English, the Bible wasn't written in English. New Testament's written in Greek. And the participants in the, in the, in the, in the Gospels were, spoke Hebrew and Greek. The disciples and Jesus, they were these good Jewish boys. So the Bible's written in a bunch of different languages. And the length of the Bible is, is, I think I read this week, 600,000 words, which depends on the translation, could be longer, which is pretty long. It's a big book, bigger than like Moby Dick or some of the classics. But you know what it's not as long as a lot of people have read? Harry Potter. The Harry Potter series crushes the Bible in size. And our kids read the Harry Potter series, right? So we look at it like, oh, I can't read that. That's too big. But you can read 12 Harry Potter books. It, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's just not as intimidating as we make it out to be. The authors uh, of the Bible, a lot of times we can see that in the beginning, sometimes we don't. The Bible is written by more than 40 different authors. So this one book, this one story written over up, upwards of over a thousand years, 
Over 40 different authors put this thing together. God's, God's handiwork is in this. A lot of it's heroes of the faith. We know a lot of their names. Like Moses is given credit generally for the first five books of the Bible. However, he died before the, 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 those books were, were finished, so someone else picked up the pen and wrote, we just don't know who. Isaiah would have had a lot of help. Lots of hands were, were put to work to make this Bible work. There's a good chance that books like Jonah weren't written by Jonah. A book like Job maybe, was, maybe even predates all the other books. It's fascinating, the history of it. There's all these authors from different walks of life in different places. When we talk about chapter and verse in the Bible, originally the texts were scrolls, right? There were these long scrolls, and they were compartmentalized in, in, the, in the, usually the first five books, this like historical, like the, the Pentateuch. You would have had the prophetic scrolls kind of wrapped together. You would have some historical stuff wrapped together. That's a little cumbersome, so we put it together, made a book out of it. At some point they added chapters around 12, around 1238, 1238 I think, they added chapters. On 1500, they added verses. So the Bible, as we know it, it, it sort of evolved how we put together. But when we look at it now, it's, you know, it's got all these little lines and numbers, and it wasn't written that way, of course. When we read the letter, I'll just read a chapter out of one of the letters today. It's, it's fine if we don't have time, but the Bible is meant to be written together. We're read together. It's written together. There's all these historians that, that back up the text, not even uh, uh, faith-based or Christians. Josephus, if any of you have studied the New Testament, Josephus was a New Testament historian. And he wasn't writing the Bible. He, did, he wasn't trying to prove the Bible. He was just writing about what was going on in life, and it backs up the history in the Bible. There's a Roman historian named Tacitus. He would have no benefit from, from not telling the truth. And these men, as well as others, are used to back up the historical accuracy of the Bible. Again, we've continued to find documents that, that make it work, that prove its, its, its validity. Old Testament archaeology has, has rediscovered whole nations. They've gone back to the Bible. Oh my gosh, but there was a people group here and they find it. It's resurrected important people and, 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 and astonishing gaps of history are filled by the Bible, by, tech, by the Old Testament text. And whether you believe in God or Jesus or, or the Spirit or where that gets you, that, that, that's, that's a different conversation. But the Bible's the real deal. The Bible's the real deal. The Bible was written from all these people of different diverse occupational backgrounds, right? Different languages, different places. Parts of the Bible written by royalty. People like Solomon and David, you have these kings. Other parts of the Bible written by farmers, by fishermen, a tent maker, like homeless prophets, a doctor. Right? Professional scribes, vocational musicians, pastors all had their hand in this thing. The Bible's full of poems and songs. Hundreds of poems and songs. That's just the ones that they call poems and songs. Right? Psalms is probably 150 songs in it. Like, oh, this is dry. It's not dry. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's poetic. It's musical. But the entire book of Lamentations is, is really a compilation of poems. It's very artsy, the Bible. And it's got full of action. And it's got good story. It helps us understand who God is. We talked about uh, briefly the Trinity. Interesting, the Trinity, the word Trinity is never mentioned in the Bible. We sort of created that word to help us understand, but, but many, many times the Scripture references all three parts of God in the same verse, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we learn about God through that. We learn about different cultures, three different continents the Bible is written on. Most of it in what's modern-day Israel or Asia but some passages are written in Egypt or Africa. Other parts are written in Europe. 
It's all over the place. And it's fascinating that it works together to tell a story. And we enter in, even in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, what? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. The story starts that way. In the beginning, God. There's this mind, there's this creator that is, that is painting life. In the beginning, God. And we're coming into the middle of something with that. It doesn't say, let me explain God to you. It just says, in the beginning, God. So we enter into that. It takes faith to read the Bible. It takes faith. We're, we're jumping into a story that just assumes we understand there's a God. In the beginning, God. There's no dissertation on, on arguing for the, for the existence of God. It says, in the beginning, God. We're jumping into the middle. Some of the stories are like that. There's all kinds of contexts around them. That gives us a chance to sort of dive in and help us understand what's happening in that time. And we could jump in the middle of stories. We do all the time. Movies are, are like that all the time. There's something that's happened that you don't know. Star Wars, remember Star Wars opens the old first one, episode four, New Hope? It's like there's this little scroll and there's like Empire and there's Rebels and there's all these ships and people like pew, pew, sh shooting and like Vader comes through. Like you're in the middle of a story. It says this is a long time ago. All this stuff's been happening and then we enter in in that one scene. Help me, Obi-Wan Kuma. You, you jump in though. You're like, okay, I can do this. And so the text, even though it's kind of intimidating sometimes, like, oh, I don't know where we're, you can still get into it. You can still get into it. You can still enter into it. And what's it about? Is it about rules? Oh, it's a rule book. Is it a handbook? Is it a manual? It does some of that stuff, but it's a love story. It's a love story. It's a story about love. It's a story of how to show love, to know love, receive love, and to give love. And we're given this, these stories in these books to help us understand love. Think about like books of wisdom, because our Creator loves us and He wants us to have full lives. He wants us to live well. So let me help you live well, because I love you. Right? There's these different commands, right? And they, they provide a way for us to live, to be fully human in, in, in the best possible way. So let me help you here, because I love you. And we make it just a rule book. We, we shortchange the, the passion story of this. But think about the Ten Commandments. Those are good things, right? The Ten Commandments are good. They still hold up. I love the Lord your God. You know, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Uh, you have no other gods. And it kind of gets into what we, how we should live. Do not commit adultery. Don't envy. Do not murder. And these are good things. But when Jesus talks about commands, when he says, let me give you a command, what does he say? Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Let me sum it all up for you. Love one another. And so that's the motivation for those commands because we love one another. And this is our starting point. We love one another. We don't lie, not lie. Like, oh, you shouldn't lie. Why? Because the Bible says so. No, because it's not loving to another human being. Oh, don't commit adultery. The Bible says not. No, that's not our motivation. The motivation is because that's not loving. That's destructive toward love. Well, the Bible says do not murder. It does, but because you, that's not loving. Murder is not loving. It's harmful and destructive. And so that's the motivation. And Jesus kind of grabs it all back at the end. He summarizes, hey, listen, love one another as I've loved you. And we say, oh, well, the Bible says that sometimes we're like hiding behind the Bible because we don't really know. We're not real comfortable, maybe. Well, you shouldn't do that. You have to talk to your kids. Well, you shouldn't do that. The Bible says, like, I don't really know why it says, but don't do it because the Bible says. We just sort of follow the rules. There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Oh, this is what the Bible says. 
It's kind of like when the kids ask me something, they've asked Amy, like, hey, Dad, can we do that? And like, well, your mom says no, right? It's like, I don't really believe it, but mom said no, so guess you can. Now, sometimes we get into the Bible that way, like, well, I don't really know. The Bible says it, so I do it. <laughs> That's not very attractive to people on the outside either, by the way. We go thumping around the Bible verses like that. But what I think is attractive is like, man, there's this God that loves you. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. That's why I've given you this. That's why I've given it. It takes faith. It takes some faith to get into it. To believe that the Spirit would open up your eyes and your heart as you open up the pages or get on your app. Sometimes we're looking for something that's already there. And I think the Bible is that in a lot of ways. This past week, um, and you guys, many of you know, uh, uh, 2019, my mom and my brother passed away um, separate months, uh, kind of out of nowhere, and um, hard time, but, but their birthdays would have been last week. Their birthdays were April 27 and 28, and I'm pretty new, new at this whole grief thing, really. It's still kind of early and young, but, but those are kind of bigger days for me, I've noticed. Those are days where there's more sadness, and I try to create some time to lean into those moments, and there's remembrance. I remember, the, remember who they were in their life, and it's, and it's hard, and it's, and it's sad. But I take those, those, some time during those days. I think it was Tuesday last week, and, and uh, it would have been my mom's birthday. And she, she was 60 when she passed away, so I think she had a lot of years left. And um, it's like the end of the day, and I'm getting ready to go home. I say, I just need to get, get in a walk and so I, or a run. And I go to Harmon Canyon, and I just, I just head out. I'm just going to like process. I just want to be present. I want to be present with myself. I want to be present with God. So a lot of times we're not. We're not even present with our own emotions and ourselves. So just want to be present. And I'm just kind of walking and, and listening and thinking and, and, and crying and, and just sort of cruising. It was great. There's no one around. It was, it was really a, a nice time. And I'm walking back toward the way out. It's probably like an hour. I'm walking back. And there's these benches around, right? And, and there's this tree. And I'm looking at it. And I just started thinking, I should, I should have one of those benches for my mom. Or, or I should have a tree for, for my mom. You know, they say, oh, a memory of whatever. It's like a place to come and remember. I was thinking that might be nice to have a place like that. And I walk up to this one plaque in this tree, and I kind of want to see, well, I'll see who this one's for. And it just says in front of this tree, Remembrance Tree. It just says Remembrance Tree. Man, and, and I got choked up in that moment. It's like, man, I wish I had a tree for my mom. And like, wow, there's like a tree for my mom right here. Like someone in their, in their good heart to say, hey, there should just be a tree for remembrance. Not for me, but for remembrance. You know what? My mom wouldn't want her own tree. She wouldn't want her name on a tree anyway. She would like that tree. It's a shared tree, a remembrance tree. It's right there. I just felt God like, yeah, you have one right here. I got you. Your mom has a tree. Remembrance tree, a place you could come to and remember. And I think the text is like that. We have our worship team come up. But, but we, get, we get looking around for stuff. Like, oh, I wish I had this. I wish God would say this. I wish God would do that. And he's like, I have. I have. You have it right there. You have it right there. You have it in your heart. I, I, I've done it already. You have one. Well, God, I wish, could you like make me one just for me? He's like, no, no, that one will work for you. That one is for you. Yeah, but like, is there another one? No, that's the one. Use that one. It's like, I love you. Take this. You think it was easy? Getting your kind to write my words over 1,500 years on three different continents and three different languages, using over 40 different authors? 
how many people quit on me and I had to find someone else to keep the words going? Moses died. I had to find someone to replace Moses. That was hard. God's like, it was, this took a lot of work. But God, I love you. I love you. You're looking around. I'm looking for God. He's like, I'm loving. You're looking. I'm loving. You're wondering, and I'm loving. You're questioning, and I'm loving. You're doubting, and I'm loving. You're sitting, and I'm loving. You're ignoring, and I'm loving. The story of God is a gift because he loves you. He loves you. And so, God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your gift. We thank you for the text, Lord. Thank you for the story in it, the honesty in it. I pray you just revive us, Lord. Some of us are just feeling a little dead inside. I pray for a revival of the heart. A revival. That, you, that we might be interested in you. We might be interested in you. We'd understand that while we're just meandering around, you are loving us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father.